Welcome to the Geek Sweat Podcast. We, we watch, watch films to save you hassle. It's another podcast with a filmmaking twist just for you. I am TJ and we will be bringing you hot topics in the film industry, inspiration interviews with IMDb listed filmmakers, review sweat on online series as a string, trailer talk on upcoming feature films and cult TV perspectives on classic shows worth revisiting. Between your ears and our voices, we take this opportunity to make the most of our podcast technology from CastBox, a new app that's available via Android for your podcast and entertainment needs. It's the one-stop shop for taking your podcast on the go. Hello and welcome to Geek Sweat. This is the podcast for filmmakers and film enthusiasts. Today we are bringing you an inspiration interview in episode number 77. Now today we have a very special guest with us. And we, before we introduce, I'm also going to say that we are joined by our co-host today, Malachi. Uh, uh, yeah, that's my, my name all of a sudden. Okay, I thought I was a special guest, but <laughs> never mind. <laughs> <laughs> There's someone even more special here than me. It's very rare that happens, yeah. but it's, it has happened on this occasion, MKH. Yes. So um, how have you been lately? Uh, yeah, I've I've been steadily um, trotting along, if that's a phrase or a turn of phrase I'm allowed to use on the podcast. Um, haven't done this for a little while. Um, I've noticed that you guys have been rolling on without me. Yeah, it's almost I almost feel excluded, but it's good to be back in the the saddle, and I'm ready to um, get my teeth into some. <laughs> inside that, inside inspirational a car. interviews. <laughs> Yeah, well, the thing is, we're, we're in a new venue today. Um, this is the Stone Space Gallery that we're in. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some pictures on social media. And we are also uh, recording as part of the Leighton Stone Loves Film Festival in a recreation of what's meant to be the Leighton Stone Picture Palace. So, um, without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest today, who is not just a cinema exhibitor, he is also a feature film distributor and a CEO of a cinema project that was initially for BAME communities to see uh, films that they can identify with it, but it's expanded to the point that it actually has its own not-for-profit organisation, which is Kush Films. So welcome to the show, Marlon Palmer. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's really... it's really great to have you on board because i know you've got a very busy schedule and uh, this time where we are coming to the end of september uh it's been quite busy in the film and cinema schedule for bame films but we're going to come to that in just a second absolutely yeah um what i'd like to do to kind of start the audience from the beginning is could you tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of where you grew up and um, and what you're familiar with in this area. Oh, um, yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, I know this area um, from a very long time ago. Um, I'm a local North London boy from the area of Tottenham. I grew up in Tottenham, not too far away from here, and um, yeah, grew grew up in a very sort of uh, yeah. In, in a very notorious area, um, on, on a notorious estate called the Broadwell Farm Estate. That's where kind of used to hang around and and where, where a lot of my friends were. 
and um, yeah, and sort of be be kind of idle <laughs> and not do much. Mm. But I suppose that's where I learned a lot of my entrepreneurial skills as well. So um, yeah, um, from Tottenham, you know, um, th- that's where most of my life was. These days, I'm, I'm no longer there. I've, I've immigrated to sa- to South London uh, <laughs> um, and left behind um, dreary, depressing North London. Um, yeah, and um, for happy for happy South London. And um, yeah, so you know, that's can I ask I you a question? Yeah. And this is a football one, considering that you've gone from Tottenham to South London. What football team do you support now? I still support the same team as I always support Tottenham. And what's your <laughs> opinion on the idea that Arsenal have kind of? Who? Come in Who? from South London and take over. <laughs> take over what? They were taking over anything. They were taking over what were they taking? They've taken over the, the mantle now of, of yeah. being called failure. People talking about failure. That's what they've yeah. taken over. Yeah, um, yeah, they're under pressure, mate. So no, I'm I'm very happy. Yeah. Look, I'm old school. Yeah. I look a lot, lot. I'm a lot older than what than what I look. I, you know, um, I'm from the glory from the days when I remember Tottenham were yeah. um, doing good things. We didn't always win stuff, but we always yeah. played. We played the attractive football, yeah. and there's those other people in red played the yeah. boring football, and they were called boring, boring Arsenal, yeah. and that was their tag name. And but the thing is, Tottenham are doing the exciting stuff now because they got to the Champions League final, yeah, top we, four we, finishes. We, 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 we've now progressed, you know. We've got now got the big stadium. That's one of the biggest things to go back. It's a pride for me to kind of go back to Tottenham. It's a bit, it's a bit strange though, because it's almost like a sort of like a, a spaceship has landed in the middle of Tottenham, yeah. and you know you've got this this multi-billion dollar. Um, or billion dollar stadium and the surrounding area is not is not that great. Mm. Um, it's a bit bit of a strange one, but yeah, um, yeah it, it's it's good to see that that the progress in the area because I'm very much community focused, yeah. always have been. So even my you know tying it back into into my business, Kush Films, and also the not for profit arm of my business, which is Kush Community Arts and Media Development. Yeah, um, it's always been from day one I started. It was very community focused. And about supporting BME filmmakers and trying to change that whole narrative, trying to create access for black filmmakers. Um, you know, it, it, when I first started in 1998. So, what was the thing that sparked your imagination into getting into the film industry? Like, because you've got this uh, situation of being London born and bred, obviously, you've adopted a football team and uh, you've seen London change over the last couple of decades. But in your early days, what was the thing that told you f- film over football or film over whatever other career you could have had? Well, no, before that, because um, growing up, I didn't always used to be on the right side of the tracks. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, and this, you know, I, this is where I sort of connect with a lot of the younger guys, younger mm. people out there now, what's happening out there. Obviously, it was a bit different in our time. It wasn't, you know, people weren't killing, killing each other yeah. for, for fun. But... People were. When you say what's happening out there, are you talking about, let's say, uh, teen crime or teen violence that seems to be getting into the news or something else? Yeah, generally, yeah, exactly. Teen, teen, you know, teen violence, youth violence, which is kind of seems to be everywhere now. It's all over the news, but you know, we know it's just more than the news. It is actually something that's happening within our community. Yeah, it's something that I'm very concerned about, and always have been, and work with a lot of people who work within the community to try and change things and try to Mm. help the young people. But I used to be one of those young people myself, right? Back in the day, you know. um, But as I said, it was different thirty years ago. Yeah. we, we everyone wasn't walking around with knives trying to kill each other. Yeah. It was about making money. Yeah. And, you know, and hustling and, you know, um looking good and, <laughs> and that sort of stuff, you know. So when a a TV series like Top Boy 
which is at the moment it's got a lot of publicity because it's executive produced by Drake comes back onto TV after let's say like a four year hiatus is that glamorizing the culture or is that an authentic story that needs to be told well funny enough um, and this is what the whole thing is what this is one of the the things that Kush the organization my company is you know is there for to engage you know engage with the community and talk about these things and it's actually been quite a topic a hot topic within our whatsapp groups within our facebook pages because again um a lot of the people that support me and come to our film screenings are more more of the mature older generation mm. people who've grown with me over the last 20 years some people have been coming with me since i've started yeah. and have been with me with me been, been with me over 21 years now so they've got older themselves and the the, the, the view is very much different now yeah. for a lot of people um, a lot of older people including myself are fed up of seeing you know um, violence glorified mm. on, on, on TV in film and no for me more specifically it's more that it's only seems to be those type of films mm. that showing black people in a you know in, in, in a um, less than um, affluent um, lifestyle of, um, you know, struggling, hardships, deprivation. These are the films that, that, that always seem to get made. Mm. But you never see us, you know, um, living affluent lives and, and those kinds of... When there are many black people out there living different, you know, different li lives. So this is the, the, the debate. And uh, there's a lot of people who are fed up of seeing those films now. Mm. But obviously, there are things happening out there which a lot of people don't understand. And the... The, the um you know the, the explanation or you know part of the discussion is is that what they did in Top Boy is actually showing you why these young people are committing these crimes, yeah. why society is the way it is right these days, and it's all, almost given us uh, um, an explanation. But I know so it's more like an origin story as opposed to this is how life is. Take it or leave it. In, in a in a sense, yeah. It's, well, it's explaining what's going on. What why mm. these you know the, the deprivation within the communities that these these people only know one way how to survive. So their one way to survive is to do is get involved in in crime. And the crime is now it's just got it just got out of hand. It's just it's just crazy violent crime. So you know there's lots of things that I that I believe contribute to all of this basically. So um, but I know a lot well, of, lot of older people, especially because the, one of the key factors is, for instance, you know I've been screening films for 21 years, longer than most if i'm one of the first in terms of screening black films basically and uh, uh, my audience which 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 over the years have always been female mainly female so the audience is 65 percent female is women basically and um I, I get most of their views and most of their views are especially now is they don't they are fed up of seeing those type of films they they're fed up of seeing the slave narratives they're fed up of seeing the the, the young people and the violence and a lot of them just don't even want to watch it to kind of even get to the point where they can understand it properly. Do you know there's another narrative that I, I see in film as well, which is um, black people not being trusted in a position of authority. Yeah. So when they, they, when, they get, when they get into a position of authority, it's like they're immediately corrupted or they're immediately the bad person that needs to be brought down. I think for me, um, Training Day is one example. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams one, where the only black character... Idris. But the first black... No, no, the very oh. first Star Trek that J.J. Abrams done. I think the black uh, captain kind of flew everyone into danger. But okay. this is a, another... <laughs> this is it, which is why they ended up having to crash the ship. Yeah. But the, um, the, the thing I was going to say is um, you've been cultivating this audience for like 20 years. 
And is there a difficulty in kind of managing or harnessing that group and keeping them together? Or do you feel no. that they're coming to you in droves? Yeah, they do. Um, well, I'm the only one. I'm one of the only persons that do what I do. There are other exhibitors out there, but I, I, you know, um, I've always done things differently from everyone else. And I, I, um, my thing has always been about it's about about doing it big, doing it glamorous, doing it. You know, I've always engaged from day one. It was uh, the mainstream. It was. It wasn't really. From day one, because my background is more before I just just flipping back to where we were before. Before I kind of went into the film business, well, I, I used to be a guy that used to be a bit of a hustler, and I used to keep raising parties. Okay. So I realized I I I, I realized I had, I had a knack of bringing people together. I mm. could bring people together. You know, I used to do parties with a thousand people. You know. Um, so were you doing the publicity and promotion there? Yeah, yeah. So, and I brought some of that into the film business, mm. and actually, I'm quite well known for that. And a lot of film companies actually started to use me for that, yeah. basically, because I bought flyers. I'm okay. one of the first guys to start doing flyers, A6 size flyers, promotional flyers mm. in the film business, promoting film releases, prom promoting my screenings, all that sort of stuff. Mm. I used to distribute the flyers all, all over. Yeah. Eventually, film companies started to hire me to do the flyers mm. and distribute, distribute, um, print flyers, design, print and, and distribute flyers for them within, you know, targeting the black communities. Targeting. So would you say there's like a strong resemblance to what you did in the promoting gigs? Yeah, because my, my background, I, I, I don't come from a film, I never went to film school. Okay. I never went to anything film. Yeah. Um, my, my, um, thing for film is passion. It's just a passion for film, yeah. loving films. Um, so, and, and also bringing people together. Mm. So, that's my exhibitor sort mm. of thing. It's actually, you know, over the years as an exhibitor, that's one of the greatest things for me is that being able to stand at the back of a cinema yeah. and hear people when they're laughing, when mm. they're crying, when they're groaning, moaning, whatever, just hear that emotion mm. and understand what the film is doing and what, I'm, what, what I've actually brought to them. And that used to bring great joy to me to be able to do that, to put a smile on people's faces or, or to scare people or, or, cool. or, or to whatever. So, as in, so, you know, that's always been the biggest thing for me as, as an exhibitor, basically, and getting those bums on the seats and filling out a <laughs> cinema. So, in... Coming from your background, do you see a difference between like marketing and public relations, or do you think they're the same thing? Well, it's, they are part part and parcel of the same thing, but there are aspects of it. Obviously, PR is obviously trying to engage. Um, it's about yeah, it's about I find it engaged more about engagement, and obviously, and obviously doing things like this radio interviews, doing. Um, press you know obviously press and that sort of stuff but obviously that is all part of of marketing as well mm -hmm. so and it all depends on what the film is that you're marketing it depends on the budget that you that you've got to play with mm -hmm. um obviously we've learned to do things without no budget and, yeah. and perform miracles basically so it, it's not you know i've always done things not the traditional way of mm -hmm. doing things i've found new ways of doing things and that's what has created the interest in what i do and why eventually i started to work with a lot of the major film distributors basically because it's you know it's, it's um yeah finding ways to engage your target audience without that bit, the, the money you know mm -hmm. sometimes as you, uh, uh, you know uh, you can have too much money yeah. And 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 um, you totally miss your audience because you're you're not putting it, you're not doing the right thing basically or putting um, the money in the right places in the right places exactly. So um, my thing was always always about I mean I, when I started you know it was more it was more again about it was not social media yeah it was direct marketing 
So had what did direct marketing before social media look like? Flyers, flyers, um, sticking up posters in, in shops and all that kind of stuff, especially in local community shops, you know, restaurants, hair salons, that kind of stuff. Um, also, um, again, radio, engaging DJs and getting them to promote my stuff for me and talk about it. Um, and then e obviously email. E email is one of the first. Okay. I know, I've been on it. I think I've been on email from when it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was one of the early birds in that email and building up a database. So uh, before social media, it was like very front line and getting into the face of the community. Yeah, absolutely. And it also, again, it's about people knowing who who you are. Mm. So people, again, it's, it's almost reverted back to how it is now mm. with you know influencers and, okay. and, and you, you know having that influence and people want to because it's you. They know you and they they trust you and they 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 like what you do so they come and support you sort of thing so word of mouth you know so speaking of influences and with your particular role in mind who do you see as like your main collaborators to kind of help you get your message out into the public and engage with a wider audience well um i've i've said the public themselves to the truth i would say um the public themselves my you know our 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 own film club members um I think they're the, they're the best people. They're, they're, you know, they're the ones. Because word of mouth, it, to me, is, is is the best publicity you can get. Um, social media now is just so it's just so almost like you know convoluted, if that's the right word. It's just it's it's you you everyone thinks social media is the best thing to now, but it's just so much information on there, and people's attention span has just got so short. Is that you really got to be bombarded? You know, you're gonna have the money to bombard people. You know, for them to see your thing so much that it 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 burns. You know, it 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 burns. It etches in their memory that they're gonna you know come and support your thing. You you're just fighting so much. So, uh, but word of mouth and people talking about it. People people know trust your brand. They've been there. They know what it's all about. It's they have good. They've had good memories. That is, I, think, I don't think you can get the best. So to me, my thing has always been about engaging with the public and the public's, and that's where my relationship is more than with anyone else. So, so no form of money, no no distributor or anyone comes before that. It, it's, 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 and that's why I think I'd always be able to do what I do because I put the public and my supporters, people who support me first and foremost. <coughs> Can I take you back for a moment, uh, Marlon? What was the first film that that you think sparked your passion to get into the film industry in the first place? Well, um, I don't think there was a film. It, 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 it wasn't really a film. It wasn't like that. Bit of a strange story, really. Yeah. And um, but the, but there was a yeah. film. But there wasn't. But um, <laughs> <laughs> because basically what happened was because for many years people asked me this question mm. how did you get into the film business mm. do you know that i couldn't answer it mm. i totally didn't know mm. and then it was because as i said before i used to be on more on, on the streets and the hustling making money you know drinking champagne and branding living life and all that kind of stuff giving big parties and um i kind of kind of got to the end of that road where i realized that i needed to transition there was yeah. more of a bigger world out there and this is the, the issue again with a lot of young people now not understanding this. A lot of them think, think you know, life end, life ends at twenty mm. or something. Um, but I wanted to see. I realized that I that I couldn't keep doing that. And then also at that time was you know that's when drugs, a lot of crack and all that sort of stuff was coming into a lot, especially a lot of the black communities. And I saw a lot of people going to prison or cracking out and mm. all that sort of things. And I wanted to just do things different. Mm. I, I just wanted to. 
I just realized that there was more to life and I wanted to, it, 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 I needed change. So it's a strange story that um, to, to, uh, for many years I couldn't even remember, but I'm, I, there was a cinema, which is, um, they, you know, I learned years later, it was one of the oldest cinemas in London. It's a Curzon Cinema in North London in Turnpike Lane. Yeah. Curzon Cinema. And my grandmother used to actually live, live on that road. And I used to walk past the cinema um, every day. Mm. But I, we actually used to go there and watch Kung Fu films. We used to watch late night films mm. here back in the day. Mm. You know, we used to go and watch all, all the big Kung Fu films and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And, but then, yeah, so years later in, in the 90s now, like I used to go to my grandma, grandmother's house and I was going through this transitional sort of period in my life. Um, and... I just, I, you know, I, I had enough of all the, you know, parties, rays, birds, drink, drugs, alcohol, went for the acid house days, the whole lot. <laughs> and um, it was, yeah, I, I just was looking for something else to do. And um, I, I still can't remember what made me walk into the cinema. Mm. But the, the key, I know the key thing was that I wanted to do something for black filmmakers. Mm. I just felt that they weren't being given the opportunity mm. in those days. Mm. And I, I always, I love films. Mm. So what I did do, as well, which I and, I and it's like sometimes things just come back to me and I forget because I actually did want to start my own business, um, and I wanted to start my own start my own mobile mobile van video hire business. Wow! And drive around the states and people hire blackbusters on wheels. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause it, it was actually, and I actually went to the Prince's Trust. Yeah, and um, I did a course there, business yeah. course. Yeah. And um, tried to get the, get the grant and yeah. things like that. I, I, I'm not sure if I finished the course <laughs> or why I didn't get the money oh. or something like that. Or got to, did they turn me down? Yeah. I think they turned me down actually. Yeah. And um, didn't get the money. And um, so I've always had a film thing, and then I always collected films at yeah. home as well. Yeah. So I was always I was a big martial arts fan. Yeah, I, 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 to, to this very day, mm. I've still got I've got archives of yeah. uh, martial arts films on DVDs and yeah. stuff. But I used to have them on VHS. But in those days. And so martial art films and Bruce Lee was my big one, my yeah. big fan, Muhammad Ali, obviously. Yeah. But um, so I've always had this film thing that I've always loved film. I love, love entertainment, but I've always loved film. Um, so, and then, yeah, because I love film, but I didn't, I weren't seeing enough films from black filmmakers. Mm. And in those days when I started, you know, Denzel was still, still a co-star, yeah. you know, and mm. if I remember right, I was, Black men, the black lead still wasn't allowed to kiss the white lead, mm. the white mm. woman yeah, on yeah, the big screen. Yeah. And that was only, if you check 99, yeah, it's just, it's not even that long ago, really, mm. truly. Things yeah. things have changed I, suddenly. But I think they made a big deal out of that with uh, Jungle Fever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, 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 well, exactly. And a, only a couple of years before that, I think Denzel Washington was doing Ricochet. Ricochet. And that was like one of his first, first films, films yeah. as a lead. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So exactly, this is when I started. So... I just wanted to, I just was a bit upset that, you know, black filmmakers weren't being given opportunity. We weren't able to, the public wasn't able to see these films. So I basically just um, kept walking past this cinema and I had this idea. And I spoke to a few number of people about it. He spoke to my uncle. My uncle is a very noted professor in the UK. He's even a sir now. He's been knighted by the Queen. He's in Scotland, in Edinburgh. Yeah. And taught at Harrow Watt University for many, many years. And... Um, I remember telling him about, oh, mm. I want to start this, this film screenings and bring get black people to come and watch films mm -hmm. and like that. And even he, he said, oh, it's not going to work. It's a silly <laughs> idea. Wow. Everyone said it was a silly idea. Everyone, you know, it's not going to work. You know, no one's going to come and pay to watch films. Mm. So the key thing what I wanted to do in the beginning, but again, because my, my background is more marketing, what I wanted to do was to support local independent filmmakers. 
But I realised that nobody would really want to come out and support independent filmmakers because they didn't know their names or didn't know who they were and that sort of stuff. And it was very different in those days. So it is now short film is all the rage now. But short films mm. in the, in those days was totally different. Plus the short films that people were making were very a lot of them <laughs> they were out there or a lot of them would, would you know you'd you'd have a lot of thinking to do to figure it all out. Yeah, yeah. you know because you know, it's all compressed into a very short film. Mm. So um, I came, I came up with the idea that. To support local filmmakers, I needed to go for the big mainstream films and right. use those as a hook to pull people in and then put the short film before it mm. and then have a little talk with the filmmaker. Then we do the, then we had the big main film. Mm. So that was my lucky break where um, I met someone, um, a girl who also was doing a bit, doing some exhibiting. She, we decided to team up together and the first film that I ever got that that was a major film, and this this was my second film I ever did. Was Ice Cube's um, directorial debut, yeah. the, the Players Club. Wow! Oh wow! Yeah. Right, and I and I packed out a, you know the Curzon Cinema in Turnpike Lane, five hundred seats, even with the rats running around on the floor and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. Packed it out. <laughs> and I even got Tottenham, the Tottenham Hotspur football f- footballers to come down. Oh amazing! And I, Rue Fox, Les yeah. Ferdinand, yeah. Oh, wow. and um, Clive Wilson. Wow! Came down to those are week. some big names because like. Wasn't Les Ferdinand like nearly a record transfer? Yeah, he was for at Tottenham that time. And, yeah. Yeah. and this was my second screening. Wow. So I thought, I thought, I, I thought I'd made it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I thought, wow, this is it. Basically, I soon learned afterwards that no, no, no. Yeah, the, want, the, the films dictate, you know. Yeah. Uh, I thought I could show anything after that. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah, the next film's flopped. Oh, <laughs> so, oh, no. um, but, um, so, and, and it started from there. So, Sorry, do you remember what the next film was after you showed The Players Club? Yeah, uh, Daughters of the Dust, if I remember right. Oh wow, Daughters of the Dust. So why do you think that film didn't do too well? Because it's an art house film. It's it's it's, it's, uh, oh. it's you know um, my audience wasn't an art house audience. My I mean, I'll be honest, I don't even remember Daughters of the Dust. Yeah, so who was in that? Um, oh no, it, it, there's no names in it. But oh, it, wow. Daughters of the Dust is a big film now. It's really? A, yeah, it was. Oh, a cult it, film. It, it was an inducted into in America into the into the what they've got. What's the film? Oh, uh, the film. National Congress, National Library, Congress. Library of Congress. Yeah, for of film. It oh, was wow. a, yeah, inducted last year. It's a, it's a classic film now. So, uh, Julie Dash, the filmmaker, is a woman called Julie Dash. Amazing. Um, and it's recognised as a, as a major film, but it's oh cool. So yeah, you're trying to give I, people. I feel, I'm co- watching and I feel asleep. You know oh, what I mean? Wow. So, <laughs> so yeah, because you know, I'm more of a, I'm more even now. now like, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an IMAX 3D man. Yeah, you know, yeah, Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like yeah. Be, when I watch film, I like to be entertained. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of thing, sort of thing. But um, just quickly going back to that. Um, that quick story because it's quite deep and I didn't even realise it maybe because I don't know maybe all the drinks and drugs and all that sort of stuff I forgot about mm. my 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 background my the true essence of where film came from in my life mm. and it, it, um, for years people were asking me how did you start caution and I, I couldn't I, I always used to say it's the, the man upstairs God just took me from one thing off the streets and gave me something else more positive to do and I started this film thing mm. but then I don't know it came back to me one one day it, it just all sort of came back to me and I remembered and I don't know how I forgot but as a kid you know we, we used to get comic books and on comic books, you could at the back of the comic books, you'd have mail order stuff that you could mail, you can order. And I ordered a um, Super Eight. Is it Super Eight? Um, Super Eight mail films. Yeah, projector. Okay. Mm-hmm. Projector. It was uh, with the films as well, but um, sixty. Yeah, Super Eight with um and and I Charlie Chap Charlie Chaplin, Lauren Hardy, and I had the, the projector and on on the film reel and. As a kid, I used to have in my bedroom, turn the lights off, get the blanket, put it over my head, and be and projecting it onto my on the bedroom wall. Wow. 
Wow. Basically, and watching Lauren Hardy and Charlie Chaplin. And for some reason, I had forgotten all about that. Wow. And it came back to me one day, and I, I was like, wow. And so, so film was always in my life, and it was always there. That was something that I really, really liked. And obviously, in the through the 70s and that sort of stuff, Bruce Lee came in. Bruce Lee, I, I, I was, you know, I just love Bruce Lee. Bruce mm. Lee, you know, Into the Dragon, Fist of the Fury, those films, I, I was, yeah, a nut about that. So it was, yeah, I really had something about film, you know, so yeah. So, you know? so was that an exclusive on our podcast? Did you not yeah. remember that before? No, 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 I did remember it before. I feel like it's but, an exclusive. But, but, but it, it probably, I probably not talked about it on radio yeah. before. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, oh so it is an Podcast, yeah, it is an exclusive. Oh, yeah. oh thank yeah. you. Um, yeah. But before we we quickly go into Kush and your business yeah. and everything about that, I just wanted to know, what is your all-time favourite uh, uh, black film? So for me, it would be... Um, uh, Eddie Murphy in Coming to America and Boomerang because when you look at those two films you can count the amount of white people on one hand yeah yeah yeah. that's <laughs> so that's why I judge a black film so wh what would it be for you oh well it's kind of weird people ask me this you know and it's like it's almost like music for me it's like I'm a bit I'm a bit of a I don't know I'm, I, I was, I've always seen myself as different I don't like to do what everyone else does mm. And he's like, I don't think I have a favourite black film. Yeah. Because yeah. I like too, there's too many that I like. Mm. Uh, so I can name quite a, a few mm. that I like, you know, even classic films as well. Um, it's like music. I like all kinds of music. Yeah, yeah, you know, I like, yeah. I love my reggae, but I, love, I suppose I, I soul and everything. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's, um, oh, wow. It, it's, you know, I don't think I have. I want to say one. Go on. And I know you, you've taken Coming to America. I'm going to say Black Dynamite. Because oh, I, yeah, I think yeah, um, yeah. that's a great. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, retro parody and kind of uh, nostalgic memory of how black films oh, used to be. Yeah. So I love the remake. Cool. I, yeah. I, I love the remake they did not too long ago. Uh, no, my, no, I'm with, thinking of Black Dynamite with, 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 um, with Michael J. White. Yeah, Michael J. Oh, White. Oh, yeah, I love yeah, that. yeah. I love that as well. I love all of. I mean, look, one of the best films that I always loved, comedy and black film, was um, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know if you remember that. Uh, th that film yeah. bust me up. That yeah. film was absolutely fantastic. Boomerang, I loved it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boomerang, <laughs> but you know, I'm um, I'm gonna get you sucker was a classic film yeah. to me. Um, which I really love. Um, there are, I mean, I, I, there's a, there are a lot of documentary films that you know. I've screened so many films, mm. and I, I, I don't know. I have a passion for film. Actually, I saw one uh, recently. Um, I think it was James Baldwin. I think I'm not your I'm Negro. Not, do you know something? You just yeah. read my mind. What? You took that out of my mind. That was one of the most transfixing films that I've actually watched. Apart from that, and also Fruitvale Station. Okay. Well, Fruitvale Station wasn't so much transfixing. Have you seen that film? Nah, My I've film. heard the story yeah. behind it. And they... Ryan Coogler's first, yeah, first yeah. film. Mm. That film is amazing. And mm. it's funny, you, you had... Um, um, I am not your Negro. You had Jimmy Akabolo on, oh. on here. Yeah, 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 sure. That's one of, one, of, one of my biggest memories of doing film. Okay. Was a screening I did of Fruitvale Station. It's one of the most powerful films because it's, 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 it catches you unaware. Mm. It's a very powerful story, but there's that moment where it, it's, about, it's about a transit police in America mm. shooting a young black guy. Yeah. But that moment when that happens... But it's based on a true story, though, Yeah, it's it? based on a true yeah. story. But that moment in the film, the way they've done the film, you're not mm. expecting it. And it's almost like the film is... It's, it's you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a film about a story, come, you know, um, about this guy trying to find his way in life. But that moment is almost... Is, it, when I say uh, everybody is just like... It's jaw-dropping. Mm. Silence. Mm. And I remember screening that film. I screened it at the Mayfair. We did a special screen of it at the Mayfair Hotel. In, in central London, and Jimmy Akebola was one of my guests. 
and I remember coming out of the screening and seeing people almost like in shock. Mm. And I remember seeing Jimmy Akambola and it was, it was, I don't know if I, I can't explain it. Mm. It's like when some, when people are just lost in, almost you're lost in space, almost just yeah. like, just don't know what to do with yourself. You don't know what to say. Yeah. And I can see people like there was like, you know, tears coming to some people's eyes. I mean, that must've taken a lot out of Jimmy because we know him as a very talkative person yeah, and very bubbly. It, it, so if that can bring me, him to it was, silent, it dead was, stop. And I think we've, we've, we've mentioned, I've mentioned it to him before and he, and he said, yeah, it, it hit him hard, mm. basically. It was very powerful. And it, again, mm. um, the documentary film, I'm Not Your Negro, mm. that was just, um, I, I really like the film. It's, it's the way the film, the story, it's not even the narrative, but also the way it flows. It, yeah. It's the way, it's really beautiful. Mm. I find it really powerful, beautiful, yeah. um, informative. It, it's just, cause I, I love documentary. Documentary is yeah. one of the things that I watch quite a lot. Yeah. Sci-fi and documentaries, I, I, I live on. <laughs> but the thing is, James Baldwin is like a very important historical character, not just for his uh, intellectual work, but obviously as his activism and who well, represented as well. In, in, in the 60s, he was, yeah. he was a gay civil rights activist. Yeah. And, and that, were, that was a problem in itself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like DEFCON 1 touching all the buttons, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but the thing is, it's like, I think the way history has been told, there's only so much that you can read off the paper. And I think seeing him speaking live, particularly in interviews in the moment yeah. about very crucial subjects. Um, it it kind of takes you back thinking like, who else was there to kind of do absolutely, this thing except absolutely. for him? But it, it's just the way I've seen many documentary films. I, I've got, you know, I, I've got a collection of documentary films. I know some of the greatest documentary filmmakers in America, like Stanley Nelson, and I've screened quite a lot of his films. But I'm Not Your Negro, it's, it's, it's the way um, Rao Peck, the director, it's the way he, wow, it, it, it's the way the, the, the whole thing flows. It's actually kind of beautiful to look at. It's poetic, the way he mixes in the speeches and everything like that, the way it, it's magical, the way he, he does it. It, it is really powerful. Because we, we, you know, we've seen lots of civil rights documentaries before, we kind of know the stories, but this this one, it was really, I mean, we screened it, I broke, I broke a record. We screened it, I screened it eight times, wow. simultaneously in a row. At, at the Regent Street Cinema. Wow, so it was the record for attendance or the length of time it was attendance in the screen? Attendance and for just how many times, because we only set out to do one screen of it, mm. but there was just such a demand, people, more people, more and more people wanted to see it, yeah. and it just wasn't black people, this is you know, white and black people, because I was, doing mm. screen, I was based at the Regent Street Cinema in central London, yeah. and we had a very diverse audience. So what but, factors do you think would, sorry to on. interrupt, but what factors do you think were different from your screen of I Am Not Your Negro to like Players Club, for example? Well, it's a different audience. Uh, yeah. I, again, you know, as an exhibitor, I have I have many different audiences. Not all my, my audiences are not all the same. So it's not the same people coming all the time. Okay. It's different audiences. And obviously, moving to the West End over 10 years ago and screening films in the West End, my audience has changed. And, and, and has grown and become more, more more diverse as well. So, and it's not only just the film screenings. People like, especially especially the white folks that come to our screenings, they like what we do because it's funky, it's different. It's mm. not just, you know, the dry film when you go home, come in, watch the film. We, you know, we have guest hosts. We may have some little poetry reading. We may have, have, have um, some, someone doing a rap or someone doing a song. 
um, you know, a, a comedian doing hosting the event, um, some young people coming doing something. So whatever the theme of the film is, we we we, we you know we, uh, we do other things with it. Oh, and it's a lot of time it's me host just gonna be on the stage, just talking about what I do, welcoming the people. Um, we may short 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 film. We may you know um, have other stuff that we talk about. We may have some goodies to give away dvds films or prizes so it's different we, we it's more it's you know it was always it was known as the kush film club right from the beginning it later became the kush film boutique and people just loved the whole idea the concept of what we were doing i was one of the first to kind of start doing that um that's that no that sounds really good uh, so in terms of kush um where do you want to see the company in three years time well um I'm getting on now in life and I've been thinking a lot about it. To the truth, you know, um, me moving to to South London was all part of a, a beginning of a journey of me actually thinking about leaving the UK, actually, and just going and looking for, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of looking for my next challenge mm. sort of thing. I kind of, I tend to kind of um, like to change my life every, I don't know, 20, 30 years and mm. move and try and do something different. I get bored kind of easily. And I've kind of got bored with, well, I actually stood up stood up in a cinema in 2012 and that's my retirement from um, from doing screenings. Wow. But I was dragged back, to, I was dragged back into it. <laughs> like Carlito's way. Yeah, basically I was. I, it just, I, I just didn't see no one t else taking up the mantle. Oh. And I was disappointed because, because and even now, I mean, there are, it, it's, there are other people out there, but I don't see everyone coming out now, especially from the black community, you know, everybody wants to be an actor. Everybody wants to be a writer, director. Yeah. Nobody wants to be a, a an exhibitor. Nobody wants to be a distributor. Because that's uh, the finish line for the films, isn't it? But, well, it's actually to me, it's the key. Mm. Is look, with people talking about diversity, talking about, talking about all this. If we want diversity, then we we can't be sitting there waiting for others to create roles for us or to, to open the door and let us in. We've got to create, this is what I did. I created a job for myself, mm. basically. You know, if, as I said, people thought I was doing, talking madness. They thought I was crazy when I said I was going to do it. So mm. I actually created a job for myself out of nothing. Um, who knows where I'd be now <laughs> if I didn't create a job for myself. But th this is the potential that a lot of young kids have nowadays. They don't realise they've got that potential. You don't, you don't need to go and work for someone else. You can actually set up your own thing and go and work for yourself, basically. I, I learned everything that I know today myself. I didn't go to, if, if I went to film school or had had some sort of film background, I think I would have I gave up ages ago. But mm. it was more my, I say more my street background and my able, my ability to hustle that has, able, that has enabled me to stay to where I am today and continue. Because again, you mentioned Kush Community Arts and Media Development, the not-for-profit arm of the company. That was actually born out of my frustration being, of being locked out of cinemas. Some distributors didn't, didn't want to deal with me and a lack of diversity. And I got really pissed off and said, look, there needs to be more other young people like myself coming up behind me. So I wanted to go and train those young people. So I started, I, I went and and found out how to get government funding, brought in the right people to work with, started to get major government funding, started to run my own, my own training courses. Could you tell us about a couple of the projects that you did with the not-for-profit arm of Kush? I've done many, many. Um, I devised, along with colleagues, people I brought in, and ran a successful training course, digital video production training course, in the London Borough of Hackney for three years, called The Bridge to Normal Living. Okay. And I wanted to help young people who 
I'm always trying to help the, the the worst hit, the worst disadvantage. So I came up with the idea of running my of creating my own training course for young people recovering from substance abuse, learning difficulties, prison, exclusion, mm. um, all those things. And uh, there was, you know, in the, in the London Borough of Hackney at that time, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, there was a lot of money being yeah. thrown around. And um, Why was know. Hackney the problem area for you to address? Well, it, it, it wasn't. Yeah. It's just where the money was. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was from Harringay and Harringay yeah. was useless. No money for <laughs> nothing. So I left Harringay and, okay. and I, I had an office in Hackney. Nice. So Hackney just was a bit more, uh, what's the word? A bit more active in trying to support, Innovative, perhaps? Innovative, yeah. active, in trying to help the community okay. and support the community, trying to do things to deal with the youth crime because mm. it, it was going on at that time as well especially in Hackney there was mm. a, they had a, you know they, they had a stretch called the Murder Mile where there was a yeah. lot of shootings and stuff down by Clapton there yeah. and, um, I, mean, so, I remember a time when Hackney was nicknamed Crackney for yeah, a little while yeah, yeah. Ha- what? <laughs> uh, so if you come outside my office at night time yeah. you know you see all these people wait for a bus well. but there weren't no buses <laughs> there, weren't, <laughs> there weren't no buses they, you know what I mean <laughs> believe me they were selling crack yeah. oh, at night it was crazy down there compared to how it is now I've seen Hackney change completely yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, I so so I so I ran a training course for three years. That was a flagship training course in Hackney. Wow. Um, it was the videos that we produced was used at the police crime conference every year, basically. And there's a lot of young people now that still today call me and thank me for helping them change their life around and that sort of stuff. Um, I also we also did. Um, I also ran a film festival at the Rio Cinema in Dalston for for three years as well, called Sights and Sounds of the Past. And again, that was a Black History Month, a Black History Film Festival. So again, the whole thing for me as well, I wanted to kind of educate, help educate young people, especially young black kids, to understand who they are and their culture and and where we've come from, because a lot of them are ignorant of who they are. And this is why they, they, you know, all they see on TV and films is being bad, is being drug dealers and pimps and that sort of stuff. Um, I learned who I was and there's a story as well. This is why my company is called Kush. Because I learned who I, who I was, you know, I had to do all of these things. But then I learned that I, I, I learned about a race of people. Kush is an ancient African civilization. Okay. Um, a lot of people never even heard of Kush, and yet Kush Kush ruled Egypt for over a hundred years, mm. black kings and queens. But that's, the, a, that's a, in the Nile song, wasn't it? Well, yeah, the 25th dynasty of Egypt is are the, are the black kings and queens of the Kushites, the Nubians, who, which is present-day Sudan and sort of Ethiopia, but Sudan, basically. Mm. So, and they basically ruled, they, they fought with the Persians, um, Persians and pushed them out and controlled e- Egypt for over 100 years, but no one talks about it. Right. No one talks about it, these kings and queens. And um, when you learn about um, the kingdom of Kush, all the gold in Egypt came from the kingdom of Kush, which is Sudan. And if you go to the if you go to the Sudan now, the Sudan's got over three hundred pyramids in there, but no one talks about. Mm. Right? They're not on the same scale as the uh, as the Great Pyramid of, of of Egypt, the big giant pyramids. They're smaller pyramids, but there's over three hundred pyramids there now today for African kings and queens, black kings and queens. And I learned about this, and that is a kind of another story as well but the story is that you know um i kind of got into a bit of problems with drugs as well in my in the last days of being on the streets and drink and alcohol drink and just you know just yeah, madness going on at that time and i i sort of um 
realize I try. I, I, was, I had to change my life basically. And my sister gave me a Bible, and it was in this Bible. It was called the African Heritage Bible. It was so it's the King James version of the Bible, but it it told the Bible from a black perspective. And in it had in its appendix and at the back it had all, the whole hi history about Africa and about the connection and some of the tribes and all that sort of stuff. And that's where I learned about the Kushites. And I went and dug more. And that's where Kush films came from, basically. And it was basically to remind people that we were, that, that especially young black kids, that we were also once kings and queens. And this is where we've come from, you know. That narrative about being a pimp or drug dealer, that, that is not, that is something that's been introduced way, 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 way later. So, yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, lastly, what, what advice would you give aspiring entrepreneurs that wanted a role like yourself? Well, one of the key things that, that I've always um, uh, tried to input into young people's minds and try to give to them and uh, to any filmmaker, white, black, pink, yellow, whatever, basically, it's one of the things that's really helped me. And the one thing that I've had, I've had a lot of fight and a lot of stress within the industry, especially trying to do what I'm doing, saying I'm supporting black filmmakers. Now, I've opened up many doors um, what weren't open before, but... It also, you know, this industry nearly drove me crazy as well. Mm. I've had times when I've been totally stressed out, yeah. you know, especially, you know, um, when, when there's no money coming in and, you know, and I'm thinking, or seeing all my mates driving their flashy cars yeah. and all that sort of stuff, and I'm thinking, God, you know, do I, should I go back to the streets and things like that? And the one thing I, f I thank this industry for is the m my mindset. The, the, the film industry actually made me take up personal development. Yeah. I've been doing personal development for about 15 years now. And, um, uh, you know, when I say personal development, you know, listening to people like Anthony, Tony Robbins, Anthony Robbins, Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra. But I, I, it allowed me to find out who I was as a person. And it, 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 I learned about the, the mind, the, the brain, you know, how we think, mm. um, our emotions, all that kind of stuff. And I was able to work on myself and strengthen myself mm. and that belief in myself enabled me to be where I am today and to believe that I can be whatever I want to be if I put my mind to it. So no matter how many doors they shut on me, mm. how many times I get blocked or whatever happens to me, I, I, I can find a way through or a way around or, you know, um, they have to let me, I'm just going to be so persistent, they're going to have to let, let me through. Mm. And this is basically what's happened. I, I've just been persistent. Where many people thought, oh, oh, you know, many distributors thought, oh, don't worry about him, you know, he won't be around. I've outlasted many. I've fallen out with distributors and I'm back in, I'm, I'm going back in with, in with them because I just outlasted the personnel who were there working at those companies, basically. <laughs> so, you know, it's longevity and it's thinking long term and it's also working, having a strong mindset, work yeah. on your yourself believe in yourself you know um spend time on working on yourself fantastic uh so what should filmmakers be considering now to overcome obstacles and have a a more successful film release more successful film release well um um I mean, the whole distribution side of it, again, this is, it still is new to me as well. Even though I've been doing exhibition for, and marketing and PR for film companies for how, for how many years? Mm. And worked on major film releases like, you know, Crash, Four Brothers, Hustle and Flow, Bullet Boy, Coach Carter, many, many films. But it, it, it's, um, I don't think there is one thing that you can have. Because I've seen so many films, even major mainstream films that, mm. that, that have flopped, yeah. really and truly. Um, 
I think the key, I suppose, again, the key thing is belief in yourself, belief mm. in, in what you're doing. And uh, again, um, the thing is, is, is finding your target, your core target audience and engage mm. and en- obviously engaging with them. Yeah. Um, and engaging them directly rather than just from, from afar, mm. in a sense. Because um, as I said, word of mouth is is the best. Yeah. You can get a, lo- lo- a bunch of people talking about your film and encouraging others to also go and see your film or support your film. I think that could, that works tremendously. Yeah. As I said, I've seen I've seen distributors throw money, with big money, throw money at films, and it, it, they've, they've, these films have flopped. If they don't connect with... Yeah, with, with, with the audience. But it's again, it's... it's, and, it's Again, understanding your target audience and where they where to find them as yeah. well, and how to 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 um, target them. Again, people the traditional thing of just putting up posters in train stations and all that kind of stuff. That's it, dead. It, 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 yeah, yeah, in a sense, you know. Yeah. And I, I've seen, for instance, I, you know, um, I've seen film distributors do that for black films. Wow. And I'm thinking, why are you? You know, it's not they just treat all films as it's all one size. Yeah. And it, to me, it, it, it's it's silly. Yeah. And then they say, oh, the film. They blame it on the film. Mm. and say the film but when you can be more specific in your targeting mm. and target and reach into the hearts of, of the, the, these communities by maybe even some direct marketing um, influences and that sort of stuff but uh, yeah so it's it's trial and error you're going to keep you, it's trial and error and you're going to keep just just try different things mm. in marketing is always about trying different things it's yeah. not always about trying to do the same thing all the time you're going to try and expect you're going to experiment basically mm. and see what 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 works and what don't work what might work for one film may not work for another film yeah, basically yeah. so um yeah so yeah you don't know if you don't do basically and just well, try exactly yeah. exactly yeah. and you got to know what works for you yeah at the end of the day and see yourself different from every you know mm. see yourself different don't i'm i'm i've never tried to fit in yeah I, I, i've I'm, i've always tried to do it the way i want to do it yeah basically yeah. and um that has given me so much information basically and it's also given me so much freedom mm. as well mm. and at the end of the day look i ain't got no one else to blame but myself yeah if it goes absolutely. wrong yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <So> <laughs> and that's one of the worst yeah. things yeah. when you you got other people to blame, blame yeah you start blaming other people and you're not yeah. seeing what yeah. you're doing yeah basically that's really good um so you received a hundred and thirty thousand. I'm not sure in what year that was, but um, if you were given the opportunity to work with one point three million budget film, what type of thing would you like to progress, and what would what do you think you could achieve with that one point three million budget? Well. A, a film or the community so it's not just in film but it could be at the community like so putting on a film festival things like that so anything oh, oh i see okay yeah. um oh wow um i mean overall what i, I um I'm, I'm not too concerned about myself you know like festival because i just find especially within our community we just keep doing the same we just keep doing the same old things mm. it, it's I'm always trying to be ahead of the game or trying to be out there in front, trying to, you know, do something different to, to what everyone else is doing. I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm fed up with doing just screening films now. Yeah. I want to pass this off to someone else. I'm trying to find a young exhibitor that I can train up and pass that off to, to them and let them engage the younger people. But, um, I mean, the key thing for me now, I just, something like that, I would love to see um, almost like a British or, you know, black British sci-fi film, something different, something mm-hmm. totally different. That's what I would, I'm fed up of seeing the same old films that we keep making. And mm-hmm. I, I've seen, uh, um, I want to see, you know, I want to give opportunities to actors here 
you know, um, and again, I, you know, I've got to emphasize the black thing because that's just my whole thing where I've come from. Look, again, look, eventually, within three years' time, four years' time, I just want to be a distributor. I don't want to be a black film distributor. Mm -hmm. I just want to be a distributor. I want mm -hmm. to be, I, I do want to be one of the only black film distributors. When I say black film, I mean like me as a black man, because mm. I've not I, I've not come across many. I, I, I hardly hardly know any. And I've in all the twenty years, twenty one years I've been in the industry, I've walked into many distributors' offices and worked with many film distributors. And I can count on one hand how many black people I've seen in film distributors' offices, wow. basically. Yeah. And I still know to, I still know them to, to today. Yeah. You know, one of them is a big um, big guy, uh, um, entertainment one, um, Frank. And so I, you know. Um, being able to, the, the thing I was gonna say there is that I, I wanna, I'm fed up of seeing, especially black actors having to go to America and make their name before they get recognized here. Yeah. So if I had, you know, I would wanna make a, something, a big, a, a, a good film yeah. here, but it's gonna launch the careers of talent here in the mm. UK mm. and something that's different. A, a, again, so maybe it's you know, something that's sci-fi or something that also, tells because the one of the things that I, I i'm really disappointed and and think is lacking here in the uk is um for, for our our story the, the black story the story we, we we haven't got a quadrophenia we haven't got a, a um a scum mm. we, we have nothing that tells our story here mm. no one knows our story here mm. it's it's almost you know this whole when 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 the whole windrush scandal came out the other day People didn't even know what Windrush was yeah, or didn't even know yeah. about it. You know, it, this was a whole new thing to it. Windrush, this should be taught in schools. Mm -hmm. Why is it not taught in schools that, you know, the, the migrants came in the 60s, where they come from? Mm -hmm. um, and even, you know, the story of, as we know now, that there were black people here in the Tudor age. You know, there's books now that, mm -hmm. that you can go and, go and get and you find out that black people have been here from the you know, 16th century. And so people say, what? Oh, I thought we came, they only came here the other day. I think mm. the Moors had changed um, some living practices because I think in the old 16th century, you had kings still living with their animals and stuff like that. And uh, they were the ones who invented sheds and um, for, to keep the animals separate. Well, from there, the there was, there was so much more that the more was done and brought, yeah, yeah, and, brought, yeah. and brought to Europe, as we know. But there were black people here that, that to the point that even Queen Victoria came out one time and said, and said "Oh, there's too many black folks here. <laughs> no, you gotta go." It's <laughs> all right because there was there was there was there was there was a, you know there was quite a few here. But mm. um, so I would love to be able to change. I don't know just just tell a story like that, but people could see that and actually understand. Um, the history here now with that maybe you know people have a better understanding of our place here and it shouldn't still be a an issue mm. you know um we're, we're, and it seems like it is because everything that i grew up with in the in the 70s you know skinheads nf you know mm. having to fight all that and we thought we had sorted all that out mm. it's like it's almost come right back again yeah. mm. it's come full circle yeah. and I mean, the young kids are, the young kids you know they're, they're doing they're, they're having their issues and they think this is a new thing mm. they, they, like you know the wheel has been invented again mm. I, and i do feel that the the sci-fi angle would Bring a unique perspective. Well, yeah. No, Clark tried to do something. He he did was it anomaly anomaly for me, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, Sci-fi yeah, yeah. sort of thing like that. Yeah. yeah. But which kind of didn't do to, didn't do too well. I, I don't know what his, his budget probably was about that that sort of money mm. as well. Yeah. Sort of thing. But again, and I commend him for trying though, because yeah. you know to try and move away from the street stuff. Yeah. And 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 do something different. And, yeah. and I commend, and I don't see no one else trying to do it. Mm. Not not here not here in the UK. Mm. In Africa, they're doing they're doing some amazing stuff yeah. but in not not here in the UK but um yeah so it's to me it's about um 
helping talent here, launching talent here, mm. launching our own sort of industry here and, yeah. and, and see more films from mm. um, that have black leads, you know, mm. films for everyone. Because it, again, we, you know, when we make, when we keep saying black films and some, some people don't understand this, we're not talking about films only for black people because, you know, again, as I said, as an exhibitor, I've had white people, I've, I've got all sorts of people coming to watch films and it's, it's just telling a story from a black cultural yeah, experience that's, that's but it's yeah. for everyone yeah. you know what I mean and it, in the production you you, you have white black blue mm, everybody yeah. working on the production it's just telling a, a different mm. story where because we've always seen the same stories yeah. basically over and over again and if they do make something that is from a, a black cultural experience yeah. it's a slave story mm. you know or it's mm. I don't know some crime sort of thing mm. and people we, 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 us older ones are much fed up we've yeah. seen this, all the crime stuff yeah you know that, that's interesting you say about the black film so uh, we're going to move on to talking about the, the word urban because um, <laughs> blockbusters used to have an urban section you hear on radio now you, you have um, the urban channels and uh, you go to gentrified hipster areas and you've got urban nights um what do you, what do you think? What what does it mean? The word urban, and um, do you embrace it? Um, not really. No, mm. we actually hated that word when it first came. Actually hated it. I yeah. remember, and I think we were still in Hackney at that time as well. Everyone hated that word, yeah. you know. Yeah. And but it kind of came, then it was there for a while, and it seems to be a trendy word now. Mm. But also since. Since films like Black Panther and also um, the sort of renaissance in America mm. of black films, um, from my from what I see, black films, it, it's it's that word is everyone's everyone's proud of that again. Yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah. saying black films now, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it, there's no issue about it. Mm. It's uh, urban to me tends to deal with the youth market. Yeah, yeah. What the youth, the young people are doing, because it is different now uh, as well. Um, and again, it's, when we say we say black films now, it's different for the younger market because the younger market is not such, it's not such a black thing again. Mm. It is because the white kids, black kids, Asian kids, they're all mixed in now. Mm. They're all sort of, I don't know, urban, are they? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they yeah, all yeah. talk the same, dress yeah. the same, walk, yeah, yeah. walk the same. So it's an <laughs> yeah. urban sort of thing. My age group, the older age group, is, it is more of a, I mean, it's a black, black thing, thing yeah, and yeah. a pride about, yeah, yeah. about black. Now it's, um, you know, it's like talk to my, I've got a 26 year old son and a 20, 25 year old daughter. Yeah. yeah. I can't, you know, I can talk to my son about being bad black. He's not interested, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not interested. Yeah, yeah. Like I, took, I, took, I took, took them both to see 12 years of slave. Yeah. Where yeah. I thought, yeah, you know, you know, powerful film and yeah, yeah I was angry. And yeah. It's like, you know, God, my son, you know, he had some, well, yeah, it was all right. It wasn't all that good. And, and you know, he could have done this and he could have yeah, done yeah, that, yeah, Steve yeah. McQueen and, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And, you know, yeah, that, 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 you know, they, mm. they see things totally, it's totally different now, isn't it? So, urban, um, yeah, I, I just, you know, I define, I, I don't really, um, it doesn't really bother me because mm, mm. I don't let things define me or define mm. what I do. Mm. I do what I do, yeah. and 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 that's that's the the thing with me. I I just, I just don't follow what the mainstream does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so for me, I always found the word urban to be a more palatable way of saying black for like the uh so that so black film would be in my experience black film would be directed to the black audience, whereas urban films would have majority of like high diversity but it would be marketed to like white audiences yeah. and that's how they would get the white audiences to then uh 
digest those films but by terming it urban. That's that's just yeah, in yeah. my experience. I don't know. Not if, if from my experience, um, my working on a lot of major film releases, because mm. I've always worked on... I think that kind of implies... Um, kind of... Not implies, but... Um, associated kind of with the more indie scene, I would say, the mm. independent scene, on, on the mainstream films. Because, again, as I said, I've worked... My thing, I've always worked on mainstream films yeah, from, yeah. Day, from day one. Yeah. And a lot of the African, bigger African-American films, mm, yeah. working with Warner, 20th Century Fox, Sony, mm. and all these mm. big distributors. So I worked on a lot of... Uh, and... They, 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 they've always been black films, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but those films are marketed to a white audience. Oh, okay, yeah. You, a lot of those films, yeah. you go and it is a white audience yeah, um, yeah. that support these films, that yeah. more support these films. These these you know, African American films. Um, so um, and and to me, I've they've always been classed as urban films. Mm. I've always associated urban films almost with British. Yeah, yeah, British. Yeah. No Clark type, you know, no Clark and those kind of so the kidhoods and yeah, adulthoods and adult things like that. Yeah. Those are urban, yeah. urban films, to me, you know. Yes. Um, so, what what do you what are the gaps um, in the so the BAME community when it comes to supporting and making successful films? Funding is one. Um, support from like from the BFI trust um, is a key key thing. Uh, trust. Um, Yes, yeah, so uh, yeah, funding, um, having um, trust is a big thing because again, they don't trust our stories or trust our writers. The stories have to always be changed before they even get supported to kind of um, move to the next stage, mm. and it's, it's just very difficult to get funding to get get that support, mm. and um, it's hard to get independent funding. So people are, are generally depending on the BFI. And the BFI is not basically funding these type of films. They're not, you know, they've got all this money for diversity and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, there are, f- I'm not saying that completely, there are a, a, a couple, of, but there's not enough, mm. basically. But the key thing is, really, there needs to be people up in the boardrooms mm. and on the boards of, of these organisations that can understand what these filmmakers are, are trying to trying to bring to the table mm. um there's a lot that, that don't you know people who are looking at these films just don't understand so that's why they a lot of them are being turned down and it's just so fascinating for me because that's w- another reason why boomerang is l- like my favorite black film because that was the first film where black men weren't shown as drug dealers killers pimps they were actually working in marketing yeah. had high-powered mm. jobs lawyers and things like that and that was alien in, in, in America at the time, especially for white audience to see black men in such positive roles. Yeah. Actually, didn't Eddie Murphy have some kind of like penthouse suite or something like yeah. that, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was probably like one of the most expensive accommodations I've seen a black yeah. character <laughs> be in. Yeah. Without selling drugs. And yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. And yeah. you think like we still haven't progressed that much. No, since, we haven't. Yeah, we haven't. We haven't. And I, I can tell you many stories mm. With filmmakers that I've spoke to, uh, actors and filmmakers who I spoke to, who had who've, who've gone to people like the BFI mm. with mm. with their films, and mm. it, you know, just they just told uh, these, these films won't won't sell, yeah. or you know, it, it, you know, it's stories of affluent black people who's gonna you know who's gonna pay to watch that, yeah. you know, it, it, no, no, it's gonna be more real. Yeah. It's, it's gonna be in a high rise in, mm. yeah. in, in in North London, in Tottenham, or something yeah. like It's gonna sell drugs, mm. and mm. you know, it's gonna be th- these mm. are the stories that, and these are the stories that they think yeah. will sell, yeah. and yeah. they want to push basically. Yeah. So it's kind of ironic now because you got a film called Coming to America, which now is getting its sequel. Yeah, but on TV you have got like Power and Empire, yeah. which like 
again for the different reasons they're the most successful of course predominantly black cast tv shows yeah exactly yeah. exactly it's it, it, it's yeah you know it, it it's sad really truly um but and this 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 is you know um this is why again you know uh, i i i highly rate people like tyler perry um, I've got a lot of respect for Tyler Perry, even though a lot of people, he was like Spike Lee, <laughs> don't, don't like yeah. him and have a go at him because of he, he dresses up in a dress and sort yeah. of thing. He does his own thing. But, you know, this guy's doing his own thing. Mm. He's creating his own studios. He's mm. producing his own films. Yeah. The, 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 um, Lionsgate is his, is his distributor, but Lionsgate don't control his films. They only yeah. distribute his film. He controls his films. I've completely. heard a few things about Tyler Perry because uh, I know... Some people probably disagree with the characters he portrays in film, yeah. but behind the scenes, he's actually employing a lot of people from the local community. Lots and he's, of people. He's sourcing as much as possible work, yeah. labour, skills and equipment from the area that he films in, and which is predominantly Atlanta. Atlanta, isn't it? yeah. And supporting the community, he's got a big, um, massive studio that he's mm. built there, yeah. you know, on acres and acres of land, mm. uh, um, one of the biggest studios. And this is why Tyler Perry is one of the richest black men in, in, mm. in, in, in Hollywood, mm. basically. He, and he's come out of nowhere. Mm. But uh, um, it's all about ownership, you know, mm. owning your own thing, um, having that power, being mm. able to not sit there waiting for people to green light your thing, mm. to green light, do it yourself, mm. um, you know? Um, so what I was going to ask, because you've got a couple of decades of experience in the film industry, and we've been talking about black in the black and ethnic minority area of film. But you, do you feel that there are different problems or the same problems for perhaps the South Asian community, African communities, or maybe the Chinese communities or different minorities in trying to get their films forward or get the audience towards their films? I think it's different. I, I wouldn't say it's the same. I think it's different. Um, and there's a whole educational part of it as well. I think for South Asians, South Asians, I don't, I don't think they've got any issues because obviously, you know, the, the, lot of the, the mainstream cinemas, um, they saw an opportunity and I was there when it happened actually. But this is where I started, where I started in the Curtain Cinema. They were showing Indi Indian films there and they, they were just building the brand new Cineworld Cinema up the road in Wood Green. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they started, they came and started to show Indian films and put the cinema that I was at, out of business basically. Because yeah. um, they, they were showing all the, you know, all the um, um, Bollywood films. But the, the Indi South Asians, I mean, look, the Asians, again, they're not sit waiting, sitting there waiting for anyone. Yeah. Obviously, the mainstream has seen opportunities They've jumped. They've they've provided screens for Bollywood films, but the, um, you know the Asian community have their own cinemas as well. We go to Southall and those places. They've got their own cinemas, and they are controlling their own films. So I don't think that, I don't think that South Asians have any issue at all. And they they also have their own on their own plat streaming platforms as well. But being more specific, what about British representation of South Asians, Chinese, and? Um, British Africans. In British films. Yeah, is that happening? Do you say, or do you think there's some? No, it's to not. Go? As well, we know, as we know, it's not. I mean, every now and again, you see, um, was it once every, once every, I don't know, eight, ten years, you get, a, you get a bend it, bend it like Beckham or or what's the, the, the crazy rich Asians? Yeah, on, what's the on um on the bargy um the bargy one? I forgot, um, forgot the name of that one. Um, it's, it's, it's never a classic Indian film. Yeah. Oh, is it um British um Bargy on the beach? Bargy on the beach. Yeah. Bargy on the beach. Yeah. 
those those yeah. type of films. So again, it's similar to to our story as well, yeah. where the representation is is not really. It's once every now and again that you get once every ten years you may get a film. But they probably got more films than us. Mm. Um, I mean, we had a few, like from the black experience. There were a few. Mm. Um, you know, there were a few say in the eighties. Yeah, but it's kind of like, like Babylon. Yeah, like um, um, the Isaac Julian film. Um, uh, what's his name? What's his film again? Uh, I'll try and bring out. We've got yeah. a bit of slow internet. Trying to remember now. Um, so so, so got out of my head there. Um, so so yeah, there were a few films. You know, I mean, not only Babylon, and then Burning and Illusion. Uh, my good my good colleagues from uh, Melanick film. Um, so those, those films, but it, it seems to have totally dry, dried up, basically, um, since since the eighties, really, truly. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's been a few a few films in the, in the nineties, but again, these were the um, or late not nineties. But when was um, I don't know, two thousands? We moved on to, wasn't it? It's like I rolling, think the Isaac with the nineties and all those sort of yeah. films. We've, I, um, I think uh, the Isaac Julian film might be Young Soul Rebels. That's right, Young yeah. Soul Rebels. Yeah, I knew it's Soul, Souls in the title there, Young Soul Rebels. Yeah, that's a classic film. Again, it's another classic film. Yeah, sort of film. So, um, but again. Um, you think there's been a dip since the eighties yeah, and nineties? Yeah, absolutely. And and that story, that narrative's not been continued okay. all through. And and those have been some tumultuous times again. Yeah. Through you know late nineties, going right up to you know the riots and all that kind of stuff. Those stories, there's never been no stories about the riots or what's happened and why these things happen and you know. Um, People's our, our place in society and mm. how you know the whole mix here in the UK yeah. of, of, of us, you know, um, all living together, growing together, um, and finding our place here in the UK. Sure. Um, there's no, yeah, there isn't too many. I, I'm not finding too many stories because it feels like there needs to be like a Black Lives Matter or a Brexit uh, border well, kind of film. Yeah, maybe well, something a, political. Yeah, well, it's, I think it's always going to be, yeah, you're always going to get the political film because it's our story here, isn't it? Um, mm. But again, even something that is maybe even a comedy, uh, you're not even mm. getting that nowadays. Yeah. That, that's telling our story, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's just, there just, just seems to be a dearth of mm. of um, films being made as te- from the black perspective. Mm. Every now and again, you get one for the South Asians Telling yeah. you know, telling telling one of their stories, mm. um, but there should be a lot more coming through. There should mm. be a lot more. Um, but as we know, again, a lot of black actors are to, have to leave the UK to even be found. Sure. You know, um, Idris Elba. Mm. You know, Idris Elba. People, people. You know, hope people. Uh, hopefully, people haven't forgotten that he had to go to America yeah. and star in The Wire. We exposed him previously as being on. Was it Family Affairs? I think he was on yeah, Channel was Five. On well. And a lot of people even here didn't even know no, that, that was part of his. Routine, routine yeah. exactly. So you know, and and there's lots of other actors that again, mm. David Oliewo, lots yeah. of them spooks. Um, but they, you know, they start off a little TV, and then you, you know you're going to be stuck in that. You're not going to really move forward from that. And um, you mm. know, it, it's hard work. G- I, I like Jimmy. G- Jimmy's out in America now, mm. trying to do his thing out there. Mm. He was in the Ar- Arrow and a few other stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah David Hay was in um, Supergirl. Well, uh, G- yeah. David Hay's doing fantastic for him. Yeah, he just yeah. left. He just left, and yeah. look, he's getting paid now. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's in season season four or five of, yeah. of, of Supergirl. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I watch Supergirl. Yeah, so do I. No, that's what I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know. I, I watch all. Uh, 
I'm, I'm a Marvel, I'm DC and Marvel. I'm, yeah, super, yeah. I'm, a super, I'm a superhero now. Yeah, I'm, I'm actual nerd for that as well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Marlon, can you tell us about a project that you're working on now or that people might recognise you for in 2019? 2019. Okay. Well, we just finished. I'm just had a br just finished really off of distributing a film called Sprinter. Okay. Which is a new J Jamaican film. Um, Sprinter. Um, sort of a up and coming Usain Bolt sort of story. Can we make this clear? Is it a Usain? Is it based oh, no, on his story, no, it's not, it's or not, is not. he? Is no. it loosely based on his, his no, story? No, it's not based on his story at all. Really. Okay. It's just a, a Jamaican. The similarities are that it's a young Jamaican guy who is a, who can run f who can sprint because he has it, an acting role in it as well doesn't he no very small cameo oh, yeah okay, okay. He, he and he comes and gives the guy some guidance no and, spoilers and, and, and that's it yeah no, <laughs> no spoilers but um so yeah we just finished distributing that film there sprinter putting you put it out there in the cinemas mm. um and um that, that was quite intense for the that, this is the first film that i've actually distributed myself yeah i've worked on distribution campaigns with other people before and also major film dis distributors but because it's been out in london and in birmingham so were you part of both of the campaigns in those cities i'm i'm, I'm, I'm the distributor I'm, I'm the whole we control the whole thing so you're doing it through that the whole of united kingdom yeah wow so because yeah, it's, it's, it's up in glasgow now yeah. scotland and those places it's in nottingham this week as well yeah have it. so, it's, so it's still there's still a few regions that it's good that it's going to but yeah we, we're working with um i distribution a um based up in the base in glasgow actually mm. scotland um we we worked together and and put the film in cinemas and it was in yeah we, we had about 50 screens across the uk amazing um uh, um and, and yeah it was out there it was came out on the first 6th of september and it's still doing it's still finishing up now so just been quite intense really and uh, i'm just sort of coming down from the whole thing sure. getting a little breathing space so um but then i'm um, looking to be move, move straight on to some documentary films that i'm looking to be working on there's a new documentary film that's going to be coming out very soon so look out for that on um, I don't know if you remember the um, 80s soul group, The Real Thing, 80s, okay. 90s, yeah. The Real Thing. Um, it's a new documentary that we've been mm. working on, The Real Thing. That's coming out very soon. Um, it's coming out until January, but it's, the premiere is in October, nice. surely. So I'm um, looking to be working on that. And um, also um, talking with my colleague, um, the singer Lee John from Imagination. He's, 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 looking, he's bringing out a film as well. He's bringing out a film um, on, and, he, and he's trying to bring out something on the Black British history of, of music. Sure. So all them soul groups from the from the seventies, eighties, nineties, and and reggae as well. Okay. And he's he's, try, he's, he's producing a documentary um, mm. which we're looking to bring out as well. Cool. So yeah. So before we let you go, could you tell our listeners? Uh, where we can find out more about Kush Films and what you do, or if there's a social media yeah, platform. Yeah, so we're all, on all, all major social media platforms. The only one, I, uh, we're not on is Snapchat. Don't use Snapchat. But uh, yeah, Kush Films Online. K -U Kush is K-U-S-H. Kush Films Online. Um, Facebook, Instagram. Also um, Kush Films, myself on um, Twitter. Um, and it's Kush, Kush underscore online also on Twitter as well. So on Twitter, we've got three pages, Kush underscore online, Kush Films online, and also Kush Films, which is me. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find us um, on most social media pages. Fantastic. 
Okay, so we should actually follow you at Kush Films online yeah. as well because we've got our own. Uh, we can't follow you. I'm sure I saw you guys there. I'm sure I followed, We're following everyone. I followed you somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've got a, a hashtag in our WhatsApp group called Let's Get Stalking. Okay, so you're you're behind that. Okay. Um, Marlon, <laughs> thank you for your time. Uh, we really hope we can get you back on the show uh, to talk about more of the fantastic things you're doing in film as well. So we appreciate you coming along. Yeah, and just quickly, can I say, if there's anyone, any young people out there listening to this podcast and they want support in their journey, then I'm there to help. Everything's about giving back now. So they can send me an email at info at kushfilms.com, info at kush, K-U-S-H, films.com. I'm here to support, help, and develop new talent. I think a round of applause is due. Yeah. <laughs> okay.